Welcome to The Experience, sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Experience, brought to you by Avaya. Join us for thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, technologists, creators, influencers, and others who are bringing to life the future of experiences. I'm Steve Forkham, and today I'm speaking with Kristen Bernard, Head of Business Operations for Gotham FC, the National Women's Soccer League team currently sponsored by Avaya. She's here today to discuss some of the lessons she's learned during her career in building brands and creating unique and lasting experiences between organizations and customers. Don't leave the pitch. This is The Experience. Kristen, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Happy to do it. So I will admit, I don't have a lot of experience in soccer, football, whatever, although I'm getting intrigued after having watched two uh, seasons of Ted Lasso. So I'm ready to jump into this. I'm, I'm ready to, you know, full-blown football fan. Love football it. is life, right? Love it. You know, can you share a little bit of yourself, your journey? Where have you come from? Yeah. What what landed you at Gotham FC? And where, where were you along the way? Great question. And it's a long answer, so I'll try to be as brief as possible. So I I actually grew up in Northeast Ohio and, you know, growing up in Northeast Ohio in the 80s and 90s, soccer really wasn't a thing. You know, it was it wasn't really in the middle of America yet as much as it is now, not even close. And so I didn't I didn't grow up playing soccer. I was a basketball player and softball player. And, uh, and played basketball in college at Siena and uh, had an awesome experience there. Just, you know, had a genuine love for the game that's never really gone away. By hook or crook, it was kind of an accident uh, falling into sports business uh, after, after I graduated. I, I was a SeaWorld security guard, Steve. It was awesome. Right after I graduated from college, I went back to Ohio. There was a SeaWorld in Ohio. Uh, okay. Back then, believe it or not. Which one? There is SeaWorld of Aurora, Ohio. The, Aurora. This thing actually oh, exists. Okay. I, I grew up going to SeaWorld. I loved it. And so, you know, I worked there in operations and like high school and college. And then, you know, I went back as a security guard after I graduated. Okay. That 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 didn't go over well. Um, <laughs> I was an awful security guard. <laughs> uh, but I had, had some fun, but decided, you know, I, I needed to find, you know, what life was going to be. And I happened to stumble upon... Uh, Ohio State having a sport management program and went there as a graduate assistant in the marketing department, in the athletic department. And, and that was kind of everything kind of went from there. Uh, it's not something that I thought I was going to do, but man, am I glad that I ran across a little book in Barnes and Noble that was uh, how to get a job in sports. And I opened it and I was like, oh, wow, you can do all this stuff. And, awesome. and, and then applied for the sport management program. And, and, you know, I've just had an awesome experience since then. I've Worked in just about every league. I've worked in Major League Baseball. I sold sponsorships for the now Cleveland Guardians. I okay. worked in college athletics at Ohio State and Bowling Green. I, um, you know, worked in for a number of WNBA teams. The the Detroit Shock, who uh, has moved in their now Las Vegas uh, Aces. No, I'm sorry, the Dallas Wings. The Dallas Wings. My fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, have so it's a da- Detroit Shock, and then I worked for the league office, the NBA, and the WNBA at a group called team marketing and business operations, and then uh, went to the LA Sparks. I was president there, then came back to New York, joined Madison Square Garden, and I was running the New York Liberty. 
Uh, ended up being there for 10 years. The, the last you know, four or five years, I, I moved from the Liberty to uh, the New York Knicks. And then it was working on Knicks business operations, led, led that team for a couple of years. And then they asked me to take on all of business operations for MSG Sports, which included wow. you know, the Rangers and then uh, CounterLogic Gaming, which man, did I learn a lot about esports. That was an awesome experience. And it was a lot of fun people in that, in that space. And then Knicks Gaming, the NBA 2K team. And I'm very proud to say that we were the inaugural champions of the NBA 2K League. I think that league's going to do really well. And we, we won it in year one. Uh, I decided to leave the garden in July of 2020 and, and stayed on kind of through a transition period. During that period, I, I knew that I wanted to do something in women's sports. I decided to do something with uh, who is my best friend and now business partner, Karen Bryant, really launching a company focused on driving investment in women's sports. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot that goes into that, taking our operational experience and, and um, experience in different leagues and then bringing it back to women's sports, just noticing this incredible inflection point that we have. And because of that, I was introduced to Ed Nalbandian, who is the, the owner of Gotham FC. They were looking for some, some support in the middle of the year through a transition and they brought us on and, and we've had a lot of fun with the team and have learned so much about the NWSL and the players and, and the business model. It's been fascinating. Um, and that's how I've gotten to know our, our friends at Avaya too. That's awesome. Now I'm from Massachusetts. I don't pack the car because I grew up on the other side of the state. We're taught to pronounce our R's. Yes. And so I won't hold this whole, you know, New York centric resume against you, but you know, you've got <laughs> obviously a journey uh, and yeah. just I can only imagine the amount of stories that you've learned along the way. Yeah. What are some of the lessons that you've picked up from your different stops with just a, an amazing resume on delivering experiences for fans and, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, what what went into that? And then what does it look like in this new world where we're operating in? Yeah. So, so much has changed, but so much has stayed the same with fandom. Just the, the experience looks different. And and so in terms of the the fans overall, the, the number one thing that I've learned is to know your fans. And that means research. That means observation. That means talking to them directly. That means reading what the newspapers are saying and, and you know, what's being discussed on podcasts. It's really just understanding where your fans are at, who they are. It's not one size fits all. Right. So, you know, people are fans for different reasons and understanding their point of view and and why they're a fan is really going to help you with how you talk to them and also how you engage them even more. Because if you can tap into the why with anything, it's just going to make you that much smarter and really going to help you in terms of that relationship. In terms of the, the pandemic, you know, clearly life has changed for people in general and that that applies across the board. We're doing so many things differently now. Just having this conversation with you probably wouldn't have happened pre-pandemic where, you know, okay, we're sitting down for a podcast. We're, we're you know, taking the time to do that. We have the time to do it. We know how to do it. And there's going to be people that actually are in tune with, with watching and listening to things more than ever. And so that's one small example. But when, when you think about the fan experience going into a venue, I think that fans are more in tune just, you know, when after 9-11 happened, people were so much more aware of safety when they fly, right? Like that, it, it happened, mm-hmm. right? And so 
I think more than more than ever, it's not just sports experiences. You know, people are more in tune with and paying attention to their own safety in a crowd. So, you know, what is around me? You know, does it feel does it feel safe? What measures are in place to make it feel that way? And so, you know, the sports industry and the event industry has adjusted. And so part of that is also knowing who's in your building, which you know, when you look at contact tracing and you, and you, and you, you know, if, you, if this, God forbid this ever happens again, that there's a much easier mechanism to know if you've come into contact with somebody who has COVID. Uh, so that's one small thing, but it's also been meaningful to the businesses as well and to the teams, because the more that we know who's in our building, the better we can service them. You know, when you think about, you know, pre-pandemic, so many teams they may know the ticket buyer, but they don't know the three people who came with that ticket buyer. So now that you know who those people are, they can become a part of your fan ecosystem more so than they could before. And that's an interesting point. I mean, the, the idea of these events leave scars on society. Yes. You know, we're still taking our shoes off at airports. We're still, you know, as a result of 9-11. And there are generations who didn't live through that, who frankly don't really understand the impact of that, but they are affected by that scar. And the idea of the scars that the pandemic is going to leave, especially in sports entertainment, I think is, is really fascinating to see how, you know, you also kind of talked a little bit about the why to me, it was the, how is even more important of, of how do you engage with folks? People are changing how they consume Absolutely. things, where they're reachable, where experiences actually happen. And in the business world, we, we've been talking for years about the need to make your customers fans. You guys have it the opposite. You have fans that, you know, are, are deeply, deeply passionate about your brands. And that can sometimes be a double-edged sword, I would guess. I mean, I'm from Massachusetts. So absolutely. prior to the to the 2001 Patriots, uh, our passion was something different than it is now, right? Definitely. Definitely. You know, the, you talk about the the how first, and, and that is the fandoms changed. And it wasn't just the pandemic, you know, back in the day when Al Gore invented the internet. Um, I don't know that he foresaw this happening where the consumption of sports uh, is completely different in uh, entertainment is completely different than it was. You still have that amazing live experience. There's nothing that's ever going to replace that. I don't care what anybody says being to say, and actually let's be honest that you actually were there. So so many people, there's so many events that I've been a part of over the course of history where I run into people where, you know, they say they were there whether it's the malice at the palace, which was a whole, I could give you a whole download on that. Uh, <laughs> the day we're there, it's like, man, like, I don't know that the palace held that many people that I've talked to. <laughs> but so, so the, the fact that, you know, you can say you were there and you were part of it and, and, and that you were, and you felt the energy in that building. There is absolutely nothing that is ever going to replace that. Imagine being in Madison square garden when, you know, Larry Johnson hit the four point shot, nothing like it, right? There's nothing like it. So, but the way that fans can consume now um, and you can be a fan, we've made it so much easier, right? So there's, there's so many different technologies now, like buzzer. I don't know if you've heard of buzzer. Like that's, it's a new app mm -hmm. and basically it, it's going it, to, it'll alert you when there's a, you know, five minutes left in the game and it's a close game and you can, you can just log on and, and watch the last five minutes, right? So we have the, we have the attention span of ants. So it's been ants, right? So being able to just like, oh God, there's a close game, and I'm, you know, I can just go watch it now. It's you know, the the way that people are serviced now. Mm -hmm. It's just as fans and just as the expectations are so high, 
that, you know, is in sports in general, we are constantly having to evolve to, to meet and exceed those expectations because it, it is it's a different world with, you know, what our fans are looking for from us. Now, you guys have a third constituency that most businesses don't. Right. It's the organization. It's the fans. But you guys also have the players. Oh, yeah. You know, how do how do players factor into, um, you know, your experiences and your business structure at Gotham FC? That's a great question. You know, one thing that um, I think is incredibly important is making sure your player experience is one that reflects not just your organization, but also your city to embed your players in into a city because most of them are not from there. Right. Um, I now consider myself a New Yorker. I'm Ohioan, but I'm also a New Yorker. Okay. So I won't hold that against you. Yeah, exactly. But, but, you know, just something as simple as we had, you know, four Gotham players go to a Rangers game at the garden earlier this week. Okay. They, t- they took the path train in, they go, you, know, they, they, you go in and, and you go into the garden. Like that's a New York experience. And so they can't get that anywhere else. They can't get that in Portland or Seattle or Kansas city or any of these other markets, but they can mm-hmm. get it in New York. And so adding to that player experience in your city and making them feel a part of it, it's just going to make them feel stronger about building the fan base. It's going to make them feel stronger about the fans that they're around and they, and they understand who that, you know, New Jersey, New York fan is. It just creates a different culture and environment. And also when you have the players involved in your decision-making so that they understand why we're doing what we're doing, but they also have awesome ideas. So just like you know, they're fans too. Okay. So, and they, they know the game better than anybody else. They, they're around fans all the time. They have awesome ideas, just like anything else. If it's somebody's idea, they're going to engage more. So if a player has an idea and they say, Hey, I think we should do this, something for our season ticket holders. It's their idea. They're going to, they're going to be that more engaged in what they're doing. So it's not just like, okay, player experience is important because you want to be able to attract the best players in the world that you possibly can. But then when those once those players are there, make them a part of the greater organization. Make them feel really a part of it. Uh, so there's an ownership stake from them and there's a commitment from the organization to them that it's a two-way experience. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think it, it kind of creates the multiverse, to borrow the comic book term of, you know, in Boston, when the, the Patriots won the Super Bowl, it was amazing. And then, you know, the Red Sox won in 04 and there were Patriots players cheering them on. Absolutely. And just this cross-functional or this, this this interwoven. I like that analogy of, you know, you see the 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 Patriots players showing up at, at Fenway. You see Bill Belichick recording a video for Doc Rivers when the Celtics were in the finals. That That interweave really creates a variety of different things to me as a fan. Number one, it shows the, the, the cultural fabric, but then two, it also creates a deeper connection between the fan and the player. Absolutely. Right. Because, you know, they're creating experiences that are outside of the organization, but still reflect and compound the benefit of, you know, the organization itself. I, it, you guys are a unique business model on that front just because there are so many cohorts you know, most typical businesses we talk to, it's business, it's customer and employee. Yeah. And, you know, you guys have this triangle. It's fascinating. So that's a great, that's a great point about sports teams uniting. And I, I'm a big believer in sports being able to change the world and sports can change a city too. 
right? So you start with your your local community, just like local politics um, sometimes are, are more impactful than you know national politics. Mm-hmm. It's your your local experience and the community that can be created with your sports teams. It matters. It makes it gives people a pep in their step. It make it you know engages them with their with their neighbors, with their with people in the workplace. You know, the number one reason why and this goes back to research and, and knowing your fans, the number one reason why many women's sports fans are fans is because of the community that's created. And it's not just the I go to the games with my friends and my family. It's that I know the person sitting next to me mm-hmm. and I and I become friends with them. And it's being part of, you know, feeling a part of something larger, you know, something that as much as sports has has become you know, even it's always been a fabric of the community, a part a piece of the fabric of the community. But, but what is what is, interestingly, becoming less and less a fabric fabric of the community is is religion, right? So mm-hmm. less people are engaged with religion for whatever reason. I mean, it's a fact. People are looking for that community though, and if they're not finding it in church, or you know, at the synagogue, we are more than happy to have them join us <laughs> at Red Bull Arena. Uh, for a, a Gotham match to get that mm-hmm. sense of community because it's important. It's important to feel something, feel a part of something larger than yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole, we won, right? I, yes. I wasn't on the field. I didn't catch the, the winning Super Bowl, but we won the Super Bowl because that's it, right. you take part of that, that personal ownership of the team. And the civic pride, you know, when yeah, you exactly. have civic pride, it matters. You know, you may pick up the piece of trash that's, you know, laying on the ground uh, versus just like walk over it. It's like, okay, pick up the piece of trash because I care about the city that I live in. There's, there's, there's a lot of ripple effects to that. Yeah. I, there are, there's another ripple effect that have I, uh, my civic pride being from Boston runs counter to our CEO as a Yankees fan, which, you know, <laughs> just goes to prove that not everybody's perfect, but you know, <laughs> even CEOs make mistakes. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> well, I'm not a Yankee fan either. I'm a Guardian fan. So right, now, we, at now, least, we at least share a dislike of the Yankees, right? There we go. Now we're good. You guys got Tito uh, from us. Good for you guys. <laughs> Tito's awesome. Yeah, he is. So soccer and, and sports entertainment in general, new technologies are have got to be crucial. You know, when you when you do your market research into your fans, you understand the why, you understand how. How do you leverage technology to execute on the how? And are there any new technologies that you know, Gotham FC is looking at in the post pandemic world to better engage and better, you know, interweave a stronger fabric with the fans. So when we think about technology, you know, during the pandemic, it, you you heard it across sports that the things that we had always wanted to do around technology, they became essential to do. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't any more like a nice to have, it became a have to have. And so Mm -hmm. there's many different Things, you know, things that have evolved as part of the experience and uses of technology. But one thing that, that, you know, when you think about your fan base, the number one thing when it comes to fandom is connection. And the fans have to feel connected to the team and connected to the brand and connected to the game. And when games weren't happening, just remember that. Remember when like, it, everything stopped, the world stopped. It literally yep. stopped. And I remember that. I remember exactly where I was. Uh, when when we had an issue in the NBA and it was like all of a sudden everybody left the court. Mm-hmm. Right? So and, and it's like the world literally stopped in a moment. And OK, so we didn't have sports, but we still needed to be connected to our fan base. We still need to be able to communicate with them on, on a regular basis. And so 
things like Avaya Spaces, like where you know you're able to connect with a large group of fans face to face and communicate messaging, whether if it's like what's happening with my tickets, um, what's happening with my team, or even let's just have fun and laugh <laughs> uh, when people needed it the most, and they and to be able to like talk to the players, talk to the coaches have some type of familiarity, the technology for that purpose, God, like what would we have done? Think about like sitting in, I remember sitting in my, in my apartment in Jersey city. It's like, if I, we didn't have that, the technology and we didn't advance how we used it, it would have been a really lonely space. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and, and that's where like sports teams in general is like, we, we adjusted quickly uh, because it was way to connect with our fans. Now let's look inward. So what were some of the challenges that Gotham FC faced with internal connections? We talk a lot about staying connected with our our fans, obviously crucial to any business, but keeping your employees engaged and and being able to kind of check in on them, so to speak, because everybody, you're right. I mean, we were all isolated. I mean, during the pandemic, one of the things I tried to do uh, was just open, you know, throw open my virtual office door. I I would just jump on a, on one of my spaces and just let anybody know, Hey, I'm here. If you want to come talk. And it was it was almost cathartic for people to just come in and check in and talk. Absolutely. You know, what were some of the things that your internal staff wrestled with? So I I wasn't with Gotham at the time. I was actually at at, at MSG. And I, you know, at that point, it's like you you couldn't communicate enough. And it was, you know, I had a group, uh, a a staff of uh, about 250 people. And so. At that point, I recognized really fast that they had a desire to congregate. And so every week, every Friday would program it. And some of it would be just informational and want to let you know what's happening. Some of it was talking about issues that we're dealing with. And then some of it was just like, let's just have some fun. You know, again, kind of looking for connection. uh, it It was very important more than ever. And I think it's kind of changed us as leaders and managers, too, because and brought many, like many, in many ways, brought people closer together because I, I found in those moments that um, people shared more than they ever would have um, about how they were feeling, what they were thinking. And, you know, even going back to, you know, what happened with George Floyd, what happened with racial unrest, the sports was at the center of it. Yep. Um, as usual, you know, it was, we, there was a role that were, was played by whether it was NWSL athletes or WNBA athletes or NBA athletes. And, and so, you know, as, as a leader in the sports industry, as that's happening, there's it's with the players, but it's also with the, with the staffs and with the teams that, that, you know, you're, there's, there's really personal and it was deep and it was communal and it was also isolating just, just given people's different experiences, but there was also just a tremendous time of learning. And so, and learning from each other. And, and so again, you go back to sports, it's like you, it's kind of how in, in sports, because you grow up and, you know, you go on a, a, le- a playing field and, you know, people for are from all over they're they're, you know, different backgrounds, different races, different ethnicities, all coming on a court together. And you kind of learn how to, how to communicate and you learn about each other in ways that you you're not able to do. It was interesting. Just, getting to know my colleagues on that level too, because you're kind of on, you know, you're, you're, it was, it was, you're on the court together and you're and it's a battle. Right. And, and and so you're needing to have harder conversations. You're needing to have different moments that 
you know, it kind of took me back to, to being on the court and being in the locker room where those, those interactions don't no more normally happen in the, the course of work. Now, speaking of catching up and, you know, I, I'm late to the game. I, I am trying to catch up quick. I, like I said, Ted Lasso kind of sparked my interest in, in soccer. Um, but I'm not one of the first things I've learned is, you know, arguably, and I won't even say arguably, she is the greatest soccer player of all time. Carly Lloyd plays for the Gotham FC, right? I'm really excited to watch her next steps. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also excited that she's going to be joining us at Avaya Engage, our users group conference, as awesome. our keynote speaker. I mean, I, I can't think awesome. of anybody else who best displays you know, leadership and just amazing qualities and inspiration. I'll ask, and maybe you don't have one. Is there a good Carly story that you guys have that you have? I, 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 yeah, I don't listen. I, I don't know Carly incredibly well. Um, just given that I, I, you know, have only been around the team for, you know, f- about four months now. What, what I will say is that the way that Carly approached the game, which like every, Every single day, she was so consistent, uh, so incredibly consistent in terms of her preparation and and what she did and how she went about it. What what a, I mean for for her teammates for the for the fans, you know, it was just incredible to watch. And for for us, you know, me coming in here, you know, Johnny come lately to be able to help have Carly have just an incredible experience on the way out. And to be appreciated uh, for the player that she was, you know, if you if you read her interviews, like she, it's unbelievable because she didn't soak it up along the way. It was kind of like she had a job to do, and she just kept on going. Okay, so she was just like grind, 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 grind. And and many other athletes, they they take it out, they they take it all in, they love it, they feed off of it. She didn't, mm-hmm. and so she's getting to the end of her career, and we had the opportunity to take her home to Philadelphia and let her play in front of her hometown fans and be recognized in a big way and had an awesome, just great ceremony. It was, it was really touching. And then we're going to do that again at Red Bull arena on Sunday um, where we're going to celebrate Carly again. And, And especially because she didn't soak it in along the way, it's incredibly meaningful for us to have quite frankly, the privilege to be able to do it now. That's awesome. That is really great. So you know, I think that's all the time we have for today. I, I want to thank you so much for joining, uh, catching me up a little bit on soccer and yep. sharing some of your journey through sports uh, management. It's just fascinating thinking about the similarities, but also a lot of the differences that go into, you know, just managing the fan engagement piece and, and operating a professional sports team. So, again, I just want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Really appreciate it, Steve. That looks like it's all the time we have for today. I want to say thank you so much to Kristen for joining me on the show and talking to us all about the exciting things she's doing with Gotham FC. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe for updates on new episodes wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Steve Forkham, and this is The Experience, a podcast where we share insights into the future of customer and employee experiences.